Hi everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Endless Cells podcast. This is an addition to our special guest series. I'm delighted to be joined by Celtic's youngest ever goal scorer, Jack Aitchison. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, just looking forward to getting a wee chat and see how it goes. Hi man, we appreciate you coming on. As I said to you all further, most of the guys from the podcast are from Fallout House and I've got family there and they're all buzzing for this one. But have you took advantage of, of the weather to go out for a pint or two? Uh, I've been out a couple of times with a couple of uh, catch up with the Celtic boys that I used to play with. Um, nah, the, the weather wasn't too great, so uh, luckily everything up and back up inside. So, nah, it's yeah. it good to get back out and see the boys. It's just good to get a wee pint, isn't it? I mean, we've all missed that. Just going out socialising, being with friends and stuff. And I'm sure we'll get into what what we're going to talk about here. And I always say to the guys who come on, I like to go back to the start. So I'm going to ask you a two prong question. So. I want to know where your your love of football came, but also when you're growing up, many of us had idols of football and people we looked up to. Mine would have been like the likes of Hermit Larson, Alan Thompson, Petrov, Lennon. Who was it for you that you looked up to and made you want to become the professional footballer you are today? Um, obviously going back to the first bit, um, just falling in love with football. I, I I don't know. I didn't I didn't know anything else except for football. You know what I mean? Um, it's, First, I can remember and seeing photos when I was still wee. I always had a football at my feet or in my hands, and I think obviously just coming up with that. My dad obviously loved football, um, so I, literally I just been brought up with it and all my family and stuff. Um, so that's how I kind of got into it and started. Obviously, got a boys' club when I was like maybe three or four, maybe even younger, um, just like the wee toddler bit and stuff. But um, growing up, obviously looking at. I was a big Arsenal fan, so was my dad. Um, so looking up, it was like Terry Henry and stuff. Um, even people like uh, Ronaldinho and stuff. Um, I went to the France Champions League final um, in Paris. I think it was Arsenal, Barcelona. Um, didn't get any tickets, but got got in a pub and obviously Terry Henry and Ronaldinho were playing the same game. So it was it was brilliant to watch, and I was just gutted I didn't get any tickets for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 when you're you look back on the idols that you're growing up and it's all changed now. Obviously they're all retired, the likes of Henri and you're a big Arsenal fan as you said, obviously Michael Otero is there at the minute. But looking at your journey through the football pyramid, so to speak, and you said there you went you went to boys' clubs as young as three or four and then you've worked your way up. When did it start becoming serious for yourself and when did you think that you could make a career at this in terms of making it all the way up to the first team of a, cer- a certain club before that? Um Obviously, I, I started. I don't think I don't actually think you can. Well, obviously, get a toddler stuff. It's not serious when you're like two or three. But I think I actually went to. I think it was a club. It was obviously people not in Scotland. Uh, Stenhouse, Stenhouse Muir. So mm-hmm, I went there, and it was just kind of like boys' club stuff. Um, but I think I went when I was four. But I don't think you were actually allowed to go when I was six. And um, I, I didn't get allowed in. My dad was like, "No, nah, just just let him in. Like, see what he can do." And I. I think it was there like five minutes, and my dad said, "Oh, I came over, and he was like, he was buzzing to get me back for the next again week." So uh, that's the first I can remember, and um, just stuff like that. So obviously, when it started getting serious, I played with a club called Bathgate Pumas. Um, so my dad was quite mates with obviously the coach there, and played there for a, a good number of years. And to be honest, I only played it for fun. I, I didn't think much much would come come from it and I, I didn't even think much about obviously becoming a, a footballer I just enjoyed playing with my mates and stuff and maybe when I got to the age of about six or seven eight that's when I 
I thought like, I, had, I had a good chance. Obviously, that's when Celtic Celtic came in, um, and like a, a number of different other clubs in Scotland and stuff. And I was going to maybe three or four different clubs a week, um, training with them. Then obviously I signed with Celtic, and that's when I really started getting getting the head down, realised that something could come out of it. That's mad. As young as seven or eight, Celtic were sniffing about. That's that's crazy. Like, see, when you you're you obviously signed for Celtic, obviously back then it would have been what what is it you actually sign? Uh, you you can't really sign until till you're ten. Um, but obviously, you can you can train that all the time. So I, I signed my first contract when I was ten years old. Um, but I was actually with Celtic um, when I was like six and a half. But there wasn't. There was only like under seven, so I had to play a year up with the likes of like Mikey Johnson and stuff. He was there at that time. Oh, that's crazy. Um, when I was seven or eight, I was running about the street pretending it was like Henrik Larson's shout at myself every time I scored <laughs> And then there's your there's your there's yourself actually sending for the Celtic Football Club. But see when you, you get obviously further on into the journey, 10, 11, 12 and stuff, was there ever a moment like obviously standards of training and the players you're playing with, but there was ever a moment you look around yourself and say, maybe that's not for me, does come out of because you're still young and obviously, as you said, you were playing it for fun for a lot of years. And I've seen a lot of players coming out and saying that it gets too serious, way too young, like instead of letting kids enjoy it. Is that what you kind of look back on now and think, or was it just the, the progression that needed to happen? Um, I think also a lot of stuff. I don't know because obviously, like I said, I was with like three or four different clubs, so I was tra- I was travelling like everywhere, even like up to like Inverness and stuff, um, like Dundee and stuff all the time. But um, I don't know. I just I just always enjoyed it, but I think I, I can see the point where people say that they don't enjoy it anymore and it gets too serious. But especially in these days, when you've got clubs picking people up when they're like five and like four or five now, like it's just it's, I don't know how. You, it's incredible how you can tell a player at that age. Um, but nah, I think the big thing was obviously at the time I, m- I missed going out with my friends. Um, I missed quite a lot of time with my friends. I only really seen them at school, and like I was out the house for like school until I get back until like maybe eight or nine at night. So I I didn't get to see anybody at all really. But I think when you want something like you need to you need to sacrifice a lot and. Also, I can see my friends in that now, so it's it's worked out not too bad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the sacrifices that you have to make, as opposed to make that step up to professional and going going through Sally's academy, because you obviously imagine the likes of the training and stuff. And when you were in that kind of setup, going like 10, 12, 13, 14, was was it hard to adjust from the likes of junior football when you're like seven, nine, ten to get up them levels? And also, same with Jugger Produce, was it hard to do that? Or was it something that you yourself was comfortable with? Were you always comfortable? No, nah, I just I was just always comfortable, like you said. I, I was there from like six. I was like the first one actually in my age group when they started under seven. So like, I was there all the way through. So I, I felt like felt like comfortable all the way through. Like whoever came in, like I was always fine with them. So no, nah, it wasn't too bad. Um, but no, nah, I felt comfortable all the way up and like I said I just kept having to, I knew what, what was getting asked from me at Celtic compared to obviously when I was playing with Bathgate Pumas like the the demands even at the under 11, 12 is, it is unbelievable because you know what what you can make and what you can do so I feel like when you're playing at kind of like the club level stuff like it's just for it's just fun in it so but I think <laughs> even at the under 10s it's, it's like a 
a proper professional club, you know what I mean? You get demanded off, so uh, to be fair, I liked it, and um, as much obstacles came my way, I, I liked the, the challenge. Who would have been about then in the academy at that point, before you obviously signed your professional contract? Who would have been like an influence to yourself, or someone you looked up to? Um, was that at the club in the first team? I know in terms of before, obviously you make that, I'm, I'm all about the academy level, so like 10, 11, 12, 13, was there people around the coaches that you looked up to then, or was it more when you got into the professional side of things? Um, well, to be fair, there was a, I don't know if you've heard the coach, Martin Miller. No, no, I haven't heard Well, he's a very well-respected uh, coach there, and he's been there for ages, and um, obviously I had him from under six all the way up to I was maybe 12, so I was, I, I've known him like all my life, and I, I still contact him now, but he was he was the most positive guy ever, and just like looking at him and speaking to him every day, just lifted your mood, and that's the kind of people that I wanted to be around, and um, he was probably a big part that I actually signed for Celtic when I was younger, because I loved like working with him, um, so he was, he was quite a big inspiration for me to sign for Celtic at youth level, because I know how much he could improve me, and not just on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah, as an individual. And see as well, when you're coming through, if you said there, the pressure is mad, even at that young age. See when you're in tournaments and stuff, and you're in league competitions against other teams. I was asking Sam Wardrop about this as well. Is it just the attitude from the coaches from that early age to win everything? Yeah, that, that's the mentality. As soon as you sign, you, you, you know what you're signing up for. And just by the way the coaches speak, and how, not just the at youth level, at, at the first team, you see how much is demanded, and even at, at the fans, um, even when you win one nil, they, they still say you're poor. Not mean so. <laughs> yeah. you, need to, like, win, you need to win by like five or six every game, but it's not how it works. But um, nah, it's just especially when you go away to tournaments. If if you get to the final and don't win, like nobody's happy at all, and I, I think that's the mentality you, you need to have. Uh, what what kind of inter- tournaments were you involved in? Was it the ones like the uh, Grover, like the foreign places and competing? Is that what you done at youth level? Yeah, yeah. We went away to uh, Ireland, so we're in Dublin and stuff. Um, had one in Northern Ireland as well. We went to Belgium. I think we went to Spain a couple of times as well. I can't really remember off the top of my head what ones, but the, one of the big ones was um, it's called Bazaveld. It's in Belgium. So when you mm-hmm. actually go, you, you don't actually stay in a hotel. You get Your team gets split up into twos and you go and stay with like people in Belgium. So everybody's in a different house. So you're living with a, you're living with a family and you're, you're obviously, I don't know, I was maybe, maybe 12 or 13. So I was living with a different family with like a, another player and it just feels so weird. Some of them don't even speak your language. <laughs> so I, I, I was just, oh, I just, I just stayed in my room to be fair, but. Nah, it was a good experience. Um, I think we get beat off. I think it was Barcelona in the final or the semi-finals and penalties. So, yeah, it was a tough one to take. Well, at least it's made it that far. I mean, Barcelona, they're no, they're no team to be sniffed up. We all know that. And when, for yourself then, you explained the, the likes of demands, when did it start taking off into the professional contract? When did you start hearing whispers that you may be getting offered one? Because, um, as I ex- people expect, they probably will get competitive between players and in your youth groups and when you're 14, 15, 16 to fight for that contract, was that something that you knew you were going to get or was it something in your head you were like, I have to keep fighting for this? No, I think the first time was when you go to the 
the Celtic school. So there's a Celtic school uh, called St Ninians in Kirk and Tillock. Um, so I think most most of the boys get asked to go there. I don't I don't think every boy get asked to go there. So uh, when I first get told about getting a place in the school, I was really buzzing, and that, that's when I knew I needed to get my head down because the next thing after that was obviously the, the development squad, the reserves, and then after that's the first yeah. team. So I know I I was not too far away, but there's so many like steps in the ladder to climb still. Um, so I think then in the first first moment I realised was when I get told when I was 15. I think I was in. I think I was just starting third year. Or I get took out of school by Celtic. Um, so I was the only boy and I get put up with the development squad. So I was 15, training with like 18 to 22-year-olds. Um, so that, that was the biggest jump, like physically. Um, at the start, I, I, I coped with it, but at the, at the same time, I could only train a certain amount of numbers of days in the first couple of weeks because like, my body just wasn't used to that high intensity yeah. and... It was like double sessions each day and it was just so tough but I think when I was 15 I was only there a couple of months and I got up and trained with the first team um, when like Kazim Richards and stuff was there Patrick yeah. Patrick Roberts and stuff uh, that's when KT was he was doing well as well and I was just thinking like wow like I'm used to watching these people on the TV and now I'm like training with them when, like, when I'm like 15 so that was that was a big a big like wake up call for me to say like wow this this can actually happen so I need to get my head down and do everything I can off the pitch like eating and sleeping and that gives me the best benefit to try and get a chance there as you said like that's crazy you go to train with these players and you're used to watching them on TV like the KT Callum Kazim Richards maybe not not so much but the Harry <laughs> Roberts Paddy Roberts and things like they're they're all top quality players. And was this was this before? Sorry if it misheard you, but is it was this before you signed your professional deal? You were already training with the first team. So this was before I signed my professional deal. Um, and I think we played in the Glasgow Cup. That was under, uh, I think it was under sixteen or under under seventeen level. Sorry, so I was playing two years up in that. We won that, and I think. The day before, I found out I was getting my first uh, professional contract before that game. So I was absolutely buzzing with that. and um, So I was, I think I played well in that game as well, which is good. So I obviously signed the contract the next day. Um, so that was that was a good um, couple of days, especially winning that cup. See, when you say the professional deal, obviously after it, things take off and you're basically training with the Falcon squad on the first team, as you, and you rightly said there, your body couldn't cope with it. But see... When you're going up to them training pitches, training with players who you've seen on TV and you've watched and you've admired from afar, is is it daunting, especially the first time? Is it something because you hear the likes of Slaney out of open goal saying he would hide and stuff, and maybe he's joking about that? But you, is is that the type of attitude you had? Where you're like, oh no, if I mess up here, I'm straight back down to the reserves or like under nineteen level. Um, no, obviously when I first went up, I was only training with the reserves, so obviously I don't know. Obviously, people seen Lennox Town. It's it's all glass. So after yeah. I finished training, the first thing I would go and do is like go up in the stairs and watch the first team train. That's all I wanted to do. Is after training, I was going and watch them train. Um, like just sit next to them in the canteen, or I like, just speaking to them like walking past me in the hallway. Like I'm just like sometimes like when my dad picked picked me up at the end of the day because I was like in the drive. They're all driving <laughs> out in their big fancy cars. I'm getting picked up with my dad. Um, that's when I, I realised like. 
that's when I realised like wow like like this is just this is just like unbelievable. Who would have been who would have been the guy then that would have kicked you on? Obviously the development squad kicked you on sounds so bad, doesn't it? I mean like pushed you on, but who who would have been who would have been that them coaches or coaches, especially to the young players that then because you previously had the likes of Tommy Burns as the go between between the first team developmental squads. Who would have been that link up? Uh, I think obviously I don't know a number of things happened just like catching an eye a first team uh, coach or obviously I think the coaches have each number of, like amount of number of meetings each week discussion discussing obviously different players and stuff just I think just stuff like that obviously I think Chris McCart um, I think he, he pushed me on really well when I was younger um, obviously like you say coming to school and going up with the first team and stuff I think just also when I go to the back end, obviously, when I got older, that's when stuff started to slow down. And, but now I think, obviously, Tommy McIntyre, Chris McCart, that that was the kind of that was the coaches at the time that pushed me on. Yeah, and seeing the development, well, what type of players would have been in that? Would there anyone, anybody that people would know now that you would have been playing with in that um, kind of thing? You've got obviously, I think obviously Sam Wardrop that you had on, I don't know, last week or a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, you got Mikey Johnson. You've got. Aidan Nisbet, you got Calvin Miller. Um, that's just off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. Maybe Regan Henry and stuff. People know. Um, so any, kind, any, of, kind of boys like that. Any big characters in in, in the developmental squad? I won't give you any grief or anything like that. No, nah, I think obviously Aidan Nisbet. Um, I don't give you grief, but he was just obviously a character. You know what I mean? Uh, he was quite a big voice in the changing room at the time. Obviously, he was up and down with the first team. So, um, so you get people like that, and I think obviously I don't know if people know like Luke Donnelly or pe- people like that. Um, so he was he was like I think he was four or five years old on me. So, like obviously they've they've obviously experienced a lot more than me. So I normally listen to them and stuff. But nah, just some of the stuff they would they would say and do is just that nah, was it was good to be around <laughs> and then obviously you made your debut at the end of Ronnie Dyla's tenure at Celtic and be- before we obviously get to that when like did you start training with the first team squads or be involved with the first team because as you said there you were still quite young I mean you're Celtic's youngest ever goal scorer do you know what I mean so when, when did you start getting regularly training with the first team or was it just off the whim you started being involved in squads and things uh, just sometimes if if they needed a, a number, if obviously I don't know if like people in my position were injured or didn't didn't train that I'd maybe get called up or if I'd done well in a in a game or a couple of games in a row I'd get called up obviously as a kind of a reward to go get my chance. Um, but I was al- I was always up and down, up and down. I was never with them for a long period of time. Then um, I went I came back from the Euros. And obviously, the, Ronnie Delia, the manager, pulled me in and was like, oh, you'll get, you'll get be with us for a couple of weeks now. Uh, you've done well. And it was obviously the last couple of games. So, um, that's, I think, I, that day as well. I think the game was the next day, actually, as well, against Motherwell. And um, that's when that's when they told me, having John Collins told me um, after I came out of lunch and they just kind of slipped it in the, co- the conversation that I, I was getting the squad. Sure. Uh, for the next day and I don't think I actually realised what he said until I, I walked away from him I was like what? did he actually say what he just said there? and I, then obviously <laughs> I, checked the, I checked the board my name was up in the name was up in the board um, so I, I that's when I couldn't believe it and obviously just obviously phoned my agent and stuff at the time and 
I don't think I actually realised how, how big a deal it was at the time until I got on the phone to my agent and spoke to my family. I'm like, wow, this is this is like so big. I mean, it's the biggest thing ever. I'd love to pull on that Celtic shirt and play in front of the 60,000 people. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I, I'd be sitting with my local team if I'm not named the squad, I'd go in a huff. Do you know what I mean? That's, 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 that's the way it goes for me. But like, yeah. see, when you're obviously training around about the first team, you get called up every now and then. And as you said there, you come back from the Euro competition and you were pulled in. What what was like Ronnie Delia and John Collins and Kennedy like? Because I mean, Collins especially, he, he gets a lot of fl- flag from ex professionals saying that he runs about to have a six pack hanging out and he's doing pull he's doing pull ups everywhere on doors in Lennox Town. But what were what were they like as a, a coaching trio? Uh, no, it was good. Obviously, I think I, I get on really well. We all, obviously, yep. Ronnie Delia and John Collins. Um, I think they they really took a a shine to me and. I got I got on really well, especially John Collins. Obviously, it helps. Obviously, he's, he's Scottish, and I can I can understand him a bit, a bit better. But um, nah, I never I never really seen him run a bit with six, his six pack. Maybe I seen him. Maybe I seen him come to the gym, walk through to lunch. He'd bash it a couple of I don't know six pull ups or something. Then he'd walk it. But uh, <laughs> nah, I think I really I really appreciate obviously what John and uh, Ronnie done. I've not actually really had the chance to. I've not I've not even sp- spoke to Ronnie after the game, so whenever I next see or hear from him, I'm definitely gonna gonna thank him a lot for what he done for me. Yeah. Um. What was that like training up with the first team? I mean, what players stood out for you, and was there any like big time shouts? I mean, the likes of Bernie, you could obviously imagine what the types of stuff he would do. But was it intense? They were on you from the get go when you're training with the first team. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't matter what age you are. Um. And obviously, they don't. You don't not not put a foot in because you're fifteen year old, you know what I mean? Like if you're up there then you need to deal with obviously what what gets said or done up there and that's the real life of football and grown up football. So I think one of my first sessions I think is a geary. Actually he tackled me and put his studs right into my hip and that's oh. when I, that's when I realised like, oh that's that I'm in a man's game now and you you need to play through injuries or you need to you just need to get on with it and that's that's the deal. So was there any players in particular for yourself, like you looked up to when you were training, or you wanted to like take it, not like get advice from? Was there like players that pulled you in and told you maybe maybe do this better or try that and see how it works? I think obviously, growing up like people like James Forrest, you get Cal McGregor, KT, people who who's came through the academy, so it kind of shows you that there is a chance for you here and. Um, so I kind of looked up to the kind of boys and obviously you get people like Bruni who in training they demand so much and he's just he's one of the best trainers I've ever seen like 100% every day he never takes a day off even when he's he's playing through an injury or he's no well or stuff but I think I got on really well with uh, Griff um, obviously yeah. when we went away pre-season I shared a room and stuff with him and what was he like? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's he's very chilled, very very chilled, and I got on real well with him. And um, but now I think he's he's the best finisher I've ever seen in my life. And um, just taking tips on like how how he strikes the ball and what he does in us in this area to obviously get a better chance at, at a shot at goal. So um, to be like the likes of side to them like every day, it's just it's just good and it improves you a lot. So just to get your your point of view, obviously just. Bit straight to the point. Do you think Celtic should keep a hold of Griffiths for next season? Well, it's obviously it's obviously hard because obviously Odson's he's done well, uh, especially 
last season before this one. He's still he's still done very well this season, but mm. I think I don't think I think Griff gets enough respect. Um well, obviously what he's done for the club and like how obviously it's hard because he's he's not had a lot of chances. Um he maybe gets like fifteen, twenty minutes here, but to do mm. something that it, it's obviously hard, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but really. obviously it doesn't it doesn't help you sell at times as well. I'll say that, but um, I think to even if you're not get starting to bring him off the bench, he's always he's always get you a chance at goal. Or he won't nick you a goal. Uh, as you said, he's the best finisher of Scotland on his day, like when he when he's fired him for all angles, free kicks and stuff. But moving on to you again, so you're training with the the squad, and you said you were named. You looked at the board, and your name was there. What was that that feeling for yourself like? Because I could imagine myself, my arse would collapse. I think it would just go bump. But what 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 was your emotion? Because to be named in a squad at the age you were and stuff, and was it just pure like just excitement, buzzing to get into the game, get into the the first team dressing room? Yeah, I was I was obviously buzzing. I, I had obviously at that age you have absolutely no fear in you at all. Um, obviously, I've never experienced a lot of fans like that before, so. I was just buzzing. I was just praying that I got on a couple of minutes, and obviously you go away the night before and stay at the hotel. So obviously I went home and get obviously food and stuff. Went back, get changed, went to the hotel overnight. Obviously you sit and have dinner and stuff. Um, obviously first time you're there, you need to you need to sing in front of the first team as well. So oh, what was the song? I, well, get with nice breaker. I think it was uh, "Stand By Me." Give us a wee chin of it, go on. No, no, no chance. <laughs> but um, just stuff like that, the experience of going away overnight and just sitting at, sitting with the boys at dinner and speaking to them um, obviously helps a lot. And I think I think leading up to the game the night before, I think I actually only get four hours sleep. Um, I was up. I was up. No, no, no. I was trying to get to sleep, but I was too busy thinking about like, like if I got on, like, I need to do this, I need to do that, and I was just imagining the fans, and I don't know, I just, I think I was, I wasn't nervous, but I, I was just so excited for, like, obviously, for uh, tomorrow to come, to obviously get on the pitch. Um, say when, on game day itself, like, what's the, the build-up to the game, because obviously, it's against Motherwell, and it's going to be a packed house, because of the league presentation and stuff like that, so when you get up, you said there you get four hours sleep, what's the build-up, is it like, breakfast, Bit of whatever, bit of rest time, straight to the stadium, warm up, and then is it game? Does game time like that? Yeah, I think obviously, obviously you get an option uh, to go to breakfast. So breakfast will be on from I don't know, just just roughly say from like seven to ten. Um, because some people go to breakfast but don't eat pre match, so everybody's got a different routine. Mm. Um, so after breakfast you go back to your room, chill, shower. Uh, you then you then meet downstairs. You go. Maybe fifteen twenty minute walk, going to the meeting, obviously whatever the manager says and what you watch. Um, then you go into pre match, so you get pre match meal, sit and chill. Maybe fifteen twenty minutes after that, and obviously you, you leave. You go on the bus, and that's that's you on the way to the game. So, and what was it like running up doing the warm up? Just was that bad too? Yeah, it was mad because obviously when I first first came out, like. I didn't realise how much, how many fans would actually be in the stadium already, and I was like, "This is just mad." And I think obviously quite a lot of people were obviously asking for me to get my debut before it because obviously I was doing well in the youth team, and just like hearing like fans say your name and stuff, you're just like, 
like how how do you even know me? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just it was just like a surreal moment and I just obviously it doesn't it doesn't come very often, so I just tried to take take everything in and um make the most of it. Was your family there? Were they present? Um I think I get two tickets for for the game. Just two? There was two tickets, so I think the death I think it was obviously my wee sister. Um, and a couple of other my family members, they actually had to buy a ticket because we couldn't get any other tickets because it was, it was basically right. sold out. So um, I think all my family were like spread out, but now nah, I get to see them after the game and they came down onto the pitch and stuff. So I think it, it was good for them as well. Yeah. And you, you'd actually be surprised about the people that know about youth coming through because if you ever listen to our podcast, we talk about youth all the time and the likes of Carmoke on the belly at the minute. I don't know if it was he about when you were when you were training with the first team around the hangar, was he still too young? Uh, he was sometimes he was up with the, the development squad. So he Aye. maybe had a, a similar path to me, obviously coming up coming up early and stuff like that. So Aye, and then Oakle Flex and players like that. I mean people take a keen interest and as you as you rightly said, the sign your name, look at Kieran Tierney and he got plotted for all the years he was there. And funny enough, what is the the team talk in the dress room that day is it just go out and enjoy yourself is that what Ronnie Daly is trying to get across or is it like just get in get the win win by a couple of goals give the fans a show yeah it's mostly obviously he does most of his talking in the team meeting before in the hotel um, so before obviously when you when you go into, into the changing room everybody does their own thing and everybody has a different routine what they do before the game some of them will be away for a massage or stuff like that you just chill then before you go out he'll obviously come together and you obviously see whatever he says and um, then you go out so um, now nah, that's chin rooms are pretty chilled and obviously everybody's got a different culture and some people I don't know like like to dance before a game or some people's got their own like headphones and stuff in so um, who likes to dance before ways. the game what are you doing the cha-cha slide or something <laughs> nah no one likes to do the cha-cha slide but everybody's got different <laughs> Cultures, but and that's that's what they're used to in it. So I know. I mean, I, I, I was just trying to imagine all you guys in the dress room before the game, just dancing or something. Doing the nah, I, I don't mean a proper dance move, but <laughs> I just mean like you can see, you can see people just you know getting up for it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get to hundred percent. So <clears throat> sorry about that. The game finished seven 0 Obviously, is the end of, end of season game. Tierney scored. Rodrick, Lustig, Armstrong, Roberts, Christie, and we'll leave this to you. What was the build-up? When did you get the shout that you were coming on? Because by all accounts, that team was strong that day. And it was Gordon, Tierney, Sachenko, Ambrose, Lustig, McGregor, Johansson, Roberts, Rodzicks, Armstrong and Christie up front. When did you get the shout that you were getting on? Um, I think obviously I kind of got, got a rough idea because um, one of the sports sign coaches came up to me at half-time and was just like, just be ready and try and keep sharp. And um, he obviously... Obviously, you can take stuff. You get like caffeine and caffeine shots. So um, normally, if you try and get one of them before like at half time, like you, there's a chance for you to come on. So I think uh, I think I was I just kept going back to the toilet, back and forth to the toilet because I think I was just a wee bit nervous. Mm. And um, I think one time I came back to the toilet and Ronnie was just like um, going warm up. So I was like, oh, I'm not thinking too much about it. And I think I think I was there for like I must have been there for like 10, 15 minutes just warming up. And I was like, oh, there's no chance of me getting on. And then obviously, the next minute he just calls my name, and that's that's when it it, it kind of hurt me. I was like, oh, I'm coming on here. Um, 
to obviously get stripped. Um, and obviously, when I, I think, I don't know who came, I think it was Tom Dodgett who came off for me. Um, and then yeah, as soon as I stepped was, in, yeah, as soon as I, I stepped in the pitch, that everything just just went away, and I was just obviously I was just in the zone, and I, I don't know, I just felt something would happen that day, and I visualised it for all night. Like I said, I didn't sleep, so um, I was so I was absolutely buzzing. So um, I'm just glad to say that I've scored at Celtic Park. Talk me through the goal. What was your your feeling, your emotion, celebrating? Was it say like for me like. If that was me, I would have been. That celebration just would have been a blur. Everything's a blur, as you said. You're you're in the zone, but for you, talk me through the lead up to that goal and the players you were playing with. How how did you feel at that level? Was it something even at that early age you were comfortable with? Yeah, I think obviously, I've always played against older people growing up. Um, like I say, I played in the development squad for a, a decent while before it, and I came up against maybe players that are be first team but they're injured and they're coming back so I had the experience against playing against like proper men um, I think it was like celebration and stuff I think the, Kenny the, the cameraman was like oh if you, if you get on when he was like when you score come over me because obviously he's done he's done all the youth games as well so yeah. I think the first thing that came to my head was just go to him and then after that like I can't even like remember what happened I think obviously watching it back I think it looks like I pushed Ryan Christie away a wee bit <laughs> but I, 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 I just I just didn't know what to do, you know what I mean? Um and obviously the squad coming over and that nah, was just one of the best moments of my life. And not only that, it was trophy day as well. So what was the celebrations like? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like I think obviously we came in then uh got ready and stuff, came back out, left the trophy and obviously walking around the pitch and just seeing all the joy and like the fans' faces and hearing your name getting shouted and the crowd singing, it was just just a moment like you'll never forget in your life, and um, I just t- I took everything in, and just um, was so pleased that it happened. Was it goosebumps when you were doing that, holding that trophy and stuff? Yeah, it was like unbelievable. I think I didn't realise how how heavy the trophy actually is. Is it heavy? Like when, no, it's unbelievably heavy. I don't know if it was just because I was young and I was a wee a wee weak guy back then, but <laughs> like, I lifted it up and it like it, like it slipped a bit and it like smacked me in the lip. And I was like, it was like, it was so sore, honestly. But I was trying to get pictures, and my lip was like all numb and stuff. So, uh, but nah, even to like lift the trophy, and that was just, that was just unbelievable. Um, what was the dress room like after? I'm sure the drinks were flying. Everyone was in party mode, like. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think it was like champagne flying everywhere. Like I couldn't even see. Like it was like burning my eyes and stuff um, <laughs> but obviously I was I was like 16 so I didn't drink for that and I, I don't even know if the boys went out after but like I just went back home with my family and stuff and well, my family had a meal back just close yeah. to where I live so yeah, I was too young to go out with the boys <laughs> I didn't drink in inverted commas and I'm only joking <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously we all know after that was Ronnie Delia's final goodbye to the Celtic fans and him and his coaching staff, apart from the ever-present John Kenley, departed. Were you were you gutted that he left? Well, obviously the news filtered through that he was leaving after that damn semi 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 final, the cup against the uh, Rangers. But were you gutted that he was leaving? Was it like because he gave you a chance? Did you feel like quite a connection to him? Yeah, I, I felt obviously he he had a big impact at my time at Celtic, and obviously I was gutted. Um, like I said, like I, I've obviously not spoke to him after the game and got to 
got to thank him because um, obviously he was away doing interviews and obviously it was trophy day as well. So obviously he was just bombarded with people and I was just gutted I didn't I didn't, I didn't get to say thanks and that I appreciate it and um, hopefully we come up, come across past soon and I get to thank him and for everything that he's done for me. So yeah, I mean by all accounts he he loves bringing a fit of youth as you say KT. McGregor, yourself, and don't mean that, that that's a fairly good production yeah. coming mm-hmm. in Lennox Town. And obviously, fast forwarding into the summer, Rogers gets the job, he comes in. What what was that like for yourself? Did you, like, there's two ways that, that I'm thinking here. Was it one of them ones, he's coming in as a well-known coach around, around the world, and you're thinking, if I impress him, I get a chance? Or was it like, he's coming in here, I'm back to square one, trying to impress him, get up again through the development development team back into the first team? Yeah, like you say, I had, I had mixed emotions because obviously it's, it's such a big name, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, I'm, I can't wait to obviously walk, walk with him and his background staff and improve as a player. And obviously, I was thinking I'm, I'm still so young as well. So I, I knew I wasn't get get a chance straight away, um, especially such a big name like that. I knew that it would attract interest from bigger players, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think he obviously brought like I don't know. I think he's, I don't even know if his first sign was like Musa Dembele or something like that. Um, I think that, I think right. that was Ronnie Ronnie Daly. He signed. Oh, a, sorry, I can tell him. I think sorry. Um, so bringing players in like that, um, I knew it's going to take me a while to get a chance here. But always thinking is like, how much can I improve as a player under him? And if it doesn't work out here, then it's I'm getting improve and help somebody else's other team. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, I think as a player you need to have a bit of selfishness about you and sometimes put yourself first because nobody else will. Yeah, I mean, your next appearance, if I'm wrong here, correct me, was against Hearts in 2017, is that correct? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, so what, up and obviously you come on, you score the goal and then you go through pre-season, you're, you're in the squads and stuff and things like that. What Was Rogers good with the youth? What was, what was your overwhelming thing towards Rogers because I think at the moment anyway the pathway from youth to first team is, is a massive gap there seems to be basically nobody coming through at the minute I mean Stephen Wells has come in and he's done a fantastic job but we all have to think that was by accident because the rest of the defenders were mm-hmm. shite but yeah. if, if you're if you're looking at it now do you, was he good with yourself personally what was his training like and things like that yeah I think obviously the big wake up call was how much he demanded in training and Obviously, players and teams he's worked with, like his 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 standard was so so high, and obviously he's, he's probably the best, the best actual manager coach on the field that I've actually worked with. Um, that's the fittest and best I've been, and I think a lot. I think the fans will see that was the best when that's when Celtic was the best. You know and I mean, yeah. Uh, so I think just working under him and speaking to him. Obviously, at the time I was up with him pre-season for like number of weeks went away pre-season and I think there was a good number of weight a good number of way with them like youth youth players so I think it's obviously so hard when there's players coming in that when players come in like other youth people get pushed down you know what I mean so like, it's just it's just such a hard it's such a hard kind of thing when a new manager comes in yeah I mean see for yourself for your development was did it not really like annoy you that you weren't really getting back into the team again until late January 2017 because I can imagine you coming off that high, scoring against Motherwell, and then you're going into pre-season with your hopes up, even though Daddy left, but as you said, Roger is coming in, he's a, he's a world-known coach, he's a fantastic motivator. 
Were you not quite disappointed in not getting more opportunities at Celtic while you were there? Yeah, I was absolutely gutted. Um, I think every day when I, when I came home, I was like, I wasn't I wasn't angry, but I was there was a fire in my belly that I know that at the time I, I was I was doing really well at the development squad. I was still really young. Uh, I, at the time, I thought I deserved my chance to get more games, um, but he told me um, there's more to my game that I need to improve on and. I went away and walked on it and came back and that's when I kind of got my chance at the the Hearts game. Um, so after the Hearts game, I think that was my second game. I won a penalty, so I was like, surely, surely that'll be me back in like a month the squad. But mm. never really happened, and um, that's football, really, isn't it? So yeah, I mean, it's it's the, it's the ups and downs of football, and as you said there. After that game, it never really happened for yourself. You made low moves like Dumbarton, Alloa. And there's one I want to touch on in particular. It fascinates me, just briefly anyway, with yourself, Jack. You joined Forest Green Rovers. Now, a lot of people know Forest Green Rovers about they're, they're the they're green club, aren't they? So they're vegan. Yeah. Is, that, is, that, yeah. is that the way it is? Yeah, yeah. Everything, everything's vegan. The strip, the pitch is vegan. Just food, everything is absolutely vegan. <laughs> And what was that like? What, I mean, you're leaving Celtic, I mean, an institution in world football, and you're going on loan to the Forest Green. Yes, respective, respectively, you play for Dumbarton and Alloa and things in the championship, but what was Forest Green like? Because from the outside in, I've done just a wee bit of research into them. They look like a well-run club. I mean, the vegan thing, I don't get the, the vegan thing, but I think that stems from the owners. But what was that experience like for yourself? Yeah, it was well, the best loan I've, I've had. And I don't know, it's, such a, it's just like a family club. Um, Everybody gets on well. Obviously, where the stadium stuff is, it's in Stroud, so it's a it's a really small place. So um, I think everybody knows each other, and it was just such a like you said a well-run club, and um, just even doing something different like vegan food and just trying to do something different. You know what I mean? So I think that's a, they had a lot to do with my obviously my football career as well. That how much they improved me and. How much I matured on the pitch, like and off. So now nah, I've got a big, um, big place in my heart for Forest Green. So, was that the type of club for yourself that you needed after Celtic just to go back in and feel in love again of football? Yeah, definitely. I think obviously the Dumbarton loan that was just a, a really rough loan. I think that was just out of anger that I wasn't getting games, and I just I yeah. just needed it. I just needed out of Celtic for a while. Um, obviously stuff happens and it didn't work out and. Obviously, the next one was Alawan. Didn't really get a chance, but I was maybe getting like five minutes, two minutes here, and obviously I started getting more of a chance, and I was doing well. But maybe my numbers didn't say that, but I was doing really well. And I don't know. I think I was just kind of caught up in a, a rut a wee bit, and I didn't know what was happening. And obviously, I think that loan move to Forest Green happened in the last day of the window. Um, so I had to. It was so quick. Everything happened. I had to pack up and fly down and. This happened within a number of hours, and um, and obviously it went on for there. And it's, it's kind. Of, I feel like that loan move has made me realise and come over in the football world that how much what happens and what goes on, and you need you just need to be grown up about it. So, yeah. And when did you actually permanently leave Celtic? Because obviously these were loan moves. Would that would would have been twenty twenty around about then you would have left Celtic permanently? Yeah. Um, it was the season after Forest Green that obviously I came back. Uh-huh. We were obviously we were obviously off for ages, obviously just due to the pandemic, uh, COVID and stuff. 
Um, obviously, I, I thought I thought I'd done really well. And, um, I think I was the most one of the most productive uh, teenagers in obviously the top four leagues in England. Um, so some of the names I was up against was like unbelievable. And I was like, oh, I'm getting obviously I'm gonna get another shot at Celtic here. I'm getting another chance. And obviously, I didn't I didn't get called up to go away pre-season. Um, so I was absolutely gutted. So. The amount of fire in my belly I had at that time that I didn't get to go away when other youth players did. I'm not saying they didn't deserve the chance, but I thought I deserved the chance more than other people who get called away. So yeah. the amount of fire in my belly I had at the time was unbelievable. And I came back pre-season absolutely firing and the coaches were just going on about me. And I still didn't get my chance with the first team. So I was speaking to them every day and I was like, what's going on? There's, there's no point in me being here. And uh, I don't think they wanted me to leave. And obviously, I had offers for a decent amount of number of clubs, and I just kind of took my time deciding that. And um, I just obviously just need to be selfish sometimes and think about your career first. When obviously the club didn't value as much me as much as I thought they should have, and at the time, and that's football, and you just need to move on. So I think I don't think it's selfish. I think it's what you need to do for your own, as you said, your career because. There's no point in you sitting at Celtic stagnating when you're coming back from Forest Green, as you said, being productive, one of the most productive teenagers in the four leagues in England, and you're up against, as you said, world-class names down there, and you're coming back to Celtic. From my point of view, you're well within your right to argue your case to be away with them in pre-season. And who was it that actually let yourself go? Was it a collective decision, or was it you made your mind up? Uh, I think I think obviously the move to obviously Barnsley, and there was an, obviously offers went in before Barnsley that got rejected. Um, so I think I obviously went back and forth for weeks and weeks. Uh, we obviously Barnsley and stuff, and Celtic were just like, no, we're just not letting you go at all. And obviously I only had, I only had one year left in my contract. Uh, so I was in my last year, and I was like, well, I can I can sit here till January and I can go for a free. So obviously a club being, obviously every club's a business, they wanted something, so... Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously get something and get a sell on fee and stuff. So I don't know. Probably worked out better for both both parties. So that's how I'm. And now you find yourself at Barnsley, yeah? Yeah, at Barnsley now, yeah. And how's that go for yourself? Obviously, you've been to Stevenage alone as well. But do you think everything's looking up for yourself going forward? Yeah, I think obviously things going on at Barnsley that I had to go out and loan. Um. So obviously that loan that loan was really rushed as well. It happened like the last day of the window again. Um obviously living at a hotel. Um so I think I went down first three games, I was I was on uh, fire, playing really well. Um and then I, I also had I done my ankle. I'd done a grade three in my ATFL, I think it was. So I was out for three months. Um so I went back to Barnsley um for rehab and Got in amongst it there, and I want I wanted to stay there and prove that I could I was good enough to go there. And obviously, like you say, things happened in clubs, and I had to go back out again. I went back to Stevenage, and I just found it I found it really tough uh, living at a hotel. Obviously, it was, it was during like the kind of second lockdown, um, mm-hmm. so like nothing was opened, or the chef the chefs were off in the hotel. So I was eating like Nando's like every night. Um, I was oh, in not too bad. Uh, I was in this I was in this small room. And I I just felt yeah I just felt really lonely and um, obviously I was still kind of injured at the time and it, it just didn't work out that loan move but that's football and you need to move on so hopefully um, the plan is to obviously go back to Barnsley and stay in there this season. 
Yeah. Well, contrast with what you just said to me, I had a microwave curry meal last night with a glass of wine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it was. Uh, yeah, be fair. But, Chris, Christmas Day, I had it myself, and I had a same <laughs> microwave meal. So there uh, you go. We're all in the microwaves here, but I mean. <laughs> Us at the Endless Hells podcast, we've spoken about you numerous times on the podcast. We, we, thought, we thought you should be given the fair opportunity and we do hope things at Barnsley go well. But before we let you go, Jack, I want you to give a piece of advice to a younger, younger self or a younger player coming through at any club. What would, you, what would be your advice to them at this moment? Uh, obviously, coming up through thingies and stuff, just believe in yourself Um Trust yourself, and obviously you know what's best for you. And some, you need to put yourself first sometimes. And obviously, that's what you need to do is put yourself first. And you need to believe in yourself. If it doesn't happen, that you don't have anything to obviously give sometimes to clubs. And you need to put yourself first and do what's best for you. And um, speak, speak your mind. And big one is don't trust what everybody says. And um, <laughs> yeah. so that's big one. Don't never trust anybody in the football world and just do what's best for you and that's what you need to do yeah that's never been more apparent in this season that we're seeing at Celtic but again that's for another show and we also give you the the task of giving me your ultimate five-a-side team of players you played with Sam Ward's up give us an ultimate five-a-side team of the best players in the world but I mean it was still great but what about yourself have you had time to think about that no I haven't but I don't know if I could do it quickly just obviously a Celtic edition I don't know Probably, don't know, just the Celtic edition, I'd probably say Craig Gordon goals. Um, and KT needs to be in it. Um, I'd probably say Patrick Roberts. That's free. I put Mr Dembele in it. I put myself up front. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, that goes along with your, your Russ Low moves because that was a Russ 5 a team. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. Just, that was quickly off the top of my head. No, we appreciate you coming on. Your Celtic's youngest ever goal scorer, Jack Aitchison. Have you enjoyed your time at the End of Cells podcast? Yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. It's good for a wee chat and hopefully just get more people on and um, hopefully it kicks on. Yeah, man, and we do appreciate the support we're getting from everybody, including yourself coming on the show, giving us a wee hand, having a wee chat. And to the people who are listening, as you always say, stay well and keep safe. Heel, heel. <laughs>